Hello, and welcome to the fifth installment of All Ears with Alpha. I'm Sabrina Fox, Chief Executive Officer of the European Leverage Finance Association, a professional trade association with over 60 BISIDE members. In this podcast, we talk to Alpha Committee co-chairs and members about some of the many projects we're working on now so that you can get to know the people behind that work, which is designed to support engagement, disclosure, and transparency in the high-yield bond, leveraged loan, private debt, and CLO markets. We discuss existing projects, announce new initiatives, and take you behind the scenes with the people who make the Alpha magic happen. In this conversation, we will be speaking with the co-chairs of our CLO Investor Committee, Dennis Strook of Janice Henderson Investors and Emmerich Chenebo of Federated Hermes. Dennis, Emmerich, thank you for joining us. Hello. It's a pleasure to be here. Hi, Sabrina. Pleasure. So the CLO Investor Committee is Alpha's most recently formed committee. What was the catalyst for creating this forum? So I'm going to take this one. I think really about a year ago when we created the uh, um, committee, we realized that our asset class was lagging uh, other asset classes such as uh, direct lending, bonds, leverage terms itself. Um, You know, there's been a lot of noise around Article 8 and 9 funds raising over uh, in Europe. And we thought that in order for our asset classes to be uh, more liquid, more transparent, more uh, efficient, we needed to do some work. Uh, therefore, we gathered a lot of the different CLO investors, uh, rose um, some of the different issues. Uh, obviously, given, uh, again, Article 8 and 9, most of them were ESG related, uh, but there are other topics we would definitely uh, tackle over the next month. Dennis, do you have anything to add? For me, um, I wasn't I wasn't the first one to join. It was Emmerich who left with that, which was uh-huh. wonderful to come in into this team. Uh, I'll keep it very simple. It really was a, a, a wonderful timing as we were dealing with frustrations of attempting to address sustainability issues and actually fighting the fighter on our own. Uh, ELFA has really just provided a great platform uh, to do it collectively with investors who think about the same questions and issues. So it it, it was, uh, as they say, the stars have aligned at the right time. Well, we are delighted to have the CLO investor community as part of the Alpha family. So thank you so much for all of your work so far. And speaking of that work, you recently published the CLO ESG questionnaire. What are its aims and why, in your view, is it important to the development of ESG in the CLO market? If I was to maybe bring a few points on um, the genesis of the questionnaire, we, we, we will go through the details of what questions there are and what we're trying to, to, to deal with. But to me, the, the real reason that came to be, because when it comes to matters of sustainability and ESG, the market is focusing on the specific outputs. Each investor is solving for their client question, their regulator questions, everybody's fragmented in a way that it doesn't really allow us collectively to move that development forward. So the questionnaire really is the result of many investors realizing that um, it's wonderful, we are addressing client demands, but we can't really progress it in a scalable way. What ELFA has offered is the opportunity to perhaps 
pause on the outputs and think about specific inputs. But think about the inputs in the context of individual objectives. We haven't completely forgotten and dismissed our client requirements and the regulatory requirements. But what we did have an opportunity to do is put those on the side, have them on the back of our mind, but really think about the specific inputs that would go into clarifying and solving those the specific questions. And that resulted in a very structured, well-formulated, uh, very formulated framework that basically pivoted into the questionnaires that we posted out there. Well, I know it's been very well received in the market so far. I think it would be great, Emmerich, if you wouldn't mind walking the audience through what the process was behind the development of the questionnaire, because I know there was quite a bit of engagement and still some engagement planned as well. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, when we gathered last year, everyone realized that uh, everyone is asking uh, different questions, but the overlap between the questions the CEO investors are asking is quite big. Um, we, uh, as the CLO um, investor committee, decided to regroup all the questionnaires, and we realized that the overlap was was not small. It was quite big. Like many of the institutions did ask the same questions. Uh, I think everyone thought that their um, way to uh, address those issues was very unique, and um, in some ways it is. But the material that you are accessing and that the information required to whatever you're doing, those information is the same. So we decided- like the underlying data. Exactly. It's really about this. It's really about like gathering the data in order to uh, process and to use those information. Um, therefore, we really came with um, two approach. One was really about the CLO manager and ESG around the business. Uh, it's very similar to what you could ask to our underlying borrower about the ESG in this company. But we also added another framework which is looking more uh, at the uh, investment framework, the ESG investment framework from the ESG. And I think uh, that it will really be a link to future initiatives. If I was to add to that point, I think the critical part, Sabrina, in delivering this initiative successfully is not just developing something from the investor's point of view, but having managers involved all the way through at each step of the way. The way I formulate it to me, it's very, it, it's changing a single verb in our communication from what should be done to what could be done, right? That's moving the progress of sustainability from the realm of probable to the realm of possible. What I mean by this is that while designing the questionnaire and putting the questions that investors believe need to be asked, we always remained true to the realistic side of it where the managers, 62 of them in Europe, and hopefully if that really takes off over 110 in the US, uh, could potentially look for those questions and, 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 and be realistic about answering those questions. It, it's not a secret that uh, what we're doing is not new. A lot of initiatives have been done over a number of years now. Actually, some of them are going far back as 10 years where um, they were very well intended, however, perhaps stay on the side of theoretical implication as opposed to the practical implementation. And that's where the collaboration with the managers, a group of managers, dedicated members of the ELFA 
community, very helpful who are also investors in CLO at the same time as the managers have committed their time to take them on the journey of development of the questionnaire and come up with something that is more practically usable. And I think that also allows us to take into account all the work we've been doing with the ESG fact sheets to get the underlying data from the loan borrowers themselves. So kind of bringing all of that together into this kind of chain with you know each place along the way being realistic about what data can be provided, but also potentially providing some additional impetus for loan investors to request this data, this data, right? Because the CLO market is a huge driver of volumes in the loan market under normal circumstances, obviously, which we are not quite in at the moment. Uh, so this could potentially help. And I wonder, and maybe we could explore that question. How do you think the questionnaire will help improve ESG integration in CLOs? I, well, let me pause, Emmerich uh, probably would like to kick off and then I will join in. Go ahead, Emmerich. Thanks. Um, I think the, the questionnaire was really designed by two plus one kind of person, the, the, obviously the CLO investors. Second, as you mentioned, the uh, ESG, uh, ESG specialist. I think our company was really joined by people looking after ESG uh, at the overall level, not on an asset classes basis, but um, more like on a, you know engagement front. Uh, eventually at the end, the plus one would be more the CLO managers that gave them you know, their insight and thoughts around uh, that questionnaire. I think the fact that the, these ESG specialists were part of the uh, design of that, that questionnaire will really uh, gives a road on what's best practice in terms of ESG. As Dennis mentioned, it, it, it's going to be difficult at the first time uh, to fill in this questionnaire, uh, but you should see it as something which is going to evolve over time. It's not, you know, a one shot. You give the questionnaire and that's it. It's also showing some asset managers who who have the will, and I've been discussing with some of them who are really keen on having, you know, best practices and where they could uh, uh, progress in their ESG. Um, uh, you know, ESG approach. And I think that the, the questionnaire will design and give like a first intuition and a first road to it. Dennis, did you want to add something there? Just one thing. Uh, I think Emory has summarized it really well. That there is a variety of managers. There's no secret. Some of them are more progressed in the matters of sustainability. Those will receive clarity from investors. Some of them are probably at the at more the beginning of their journey, and as Emmerich says, provides direction where investors believe they should be going. But the critical part to me is, is efficiency and scalability. There is, I think, the biggest success of this initiative came from the openness of investors to come in and say, I am prepared to give up my own questionnaire that was sweated over number of years and the pride and joy of my work, I am ready to give it up for the common benefit of increasing efficiency because I will get my questions answered, but I will get it in a way that I, managers as well as in investors do not have to spend countless hours uh, looking for the questions and answering multiple questionnaires. And the final bit, bringing it all together really allows the commonality to come through because no doubt we will speak about this in, in a minute or two, but many, many subjects of sustainability are not really precise 
quantifiable subjects. You can't look at them in absolute terms. They have to be looked at relative terms. And that singularity of the questionnaire allows you to make that comparability between the managers because they all looking at the same questions. That's really the critical part to me that I think is got a most substantial, um, uh, it's got the biggest chance of progressing sustainability in this sector forward. Absolutely. I think the time saving and efficiency that it provides to the market is really is a really significant benefit. And you you mentioned the ESG profile of managers, which is also covered in the questionnaire. I wonder if you could explain a bit about how ESG impacts manager selection for you as CLO investors. If I kick off and, and then I'll pause for additional comments from Amerik. So look, um, sustainability, ESG, buzzwords, right? We love it. And it's few years, it become the only topic of discussion in many conferences. But the reality is good fundamental credit analysis on deals across the sectors has been part of our jobs for years and decades. Why I'm mentioning this? Because when it comes to manager selections, question on the governance is and was part of our credit analysis. We just structure a little bit and perhaps go in the specific areas which weren't necessarily part of due diligence or were not in the spotlight in the past, right? That, that's the first big, and, and, and the impact is immediate, right? We've been selecting managers. We are grouping the managers in what market likes to call tier one, tier two, tier three. All of that work is not driven by sudden implementation of sustainability and ESG. It was already there. If I was to move to other parts, looking at specific items like the climate, climate is new. We're all discovering that carbon emissions leads to global warming, global warming leads to physical risk and so on and so forth. The impact at this point in time is perhaps less measurable. This is where the focus is specifically on providing inputs inputs to be able to make these decisions in the future. I'm going to pause with a simple example, and I'm going to pause here uh, just to give Emmerich an uh, opportunity to add to it. Uh, if I look at the climate, we're asking, we asking managers, do you measure your carbon emissions? Do you measure your carbon emissions on the finance portfolios? Yes, we care about climate warming overall, but there is a financial implication to it. If governments and corporates were to be exposed, to a tax related to carbon, that tax is immediate feature of the balance sheet, which becomes a financial measure of looking at the corporate quality. That's where the connectivity comes. And as I say, these variables are not necessarily at the point where they have evolved to be a fundamental part of analysis, but it's important to start thinking about the specific inputs that over the time will become quite a substantial part. If I can add something, um, I'm going to be very pragmatic. Uh, but you know, when we look at the CLO managers and we look at our funds, we have various different funds. And with the raise of Article 8 and 9, obviously, the funds that can onboard the best ESG uh, CLO managers, they will definitely benefit. The reason is, if I'm able to put a ticket of X million and invest in a CLO, but I can do it for one fund. Obviously, my ticket is going to be X amount. 
But if I have Article 8 and 9 funds telling me, oh, well, thanks to your questionnaire, thanks to um, the, the analysis you have on uh, CLO managers and on the CLOs themselves, we can onboard those kind of vehicles. What's going to happen is that, well, my ticket is going to be X plus 5, 10, whatever it is. And then what's going to happen and what's going to the real impact, it's offer demand, right? The best managers, and I think this is what we're really going to try to push for, will benefit for more demand. More demand means uh, tighter levels uh, at primary issues. And uh, there definitely would be some manager tiering uh, in terms of ESG over time if uh, the, this questionnaire, not, not if this questionnaire, when this question is going to be uh, implemented. Absolutely. It sounds like something that creates a real incentive for managers to take the time to complete it. If I was to add, I think it's important. We spoke about the governance as we spoke about the climate, right? The social aspect. Uh, it, it's actually, in my mind, the hardest aspect of sustainability effort globally, right? And that's where I feel the questionnaire is really taking on the challenge head on, right? Because we are trying to address, I'll give you a couple of examples. And uh, obviously, the questionnaire is in the public and can be viewed, but areas like diversity, areas like development within the teams, right? Those are the questions which are very difficult to measure and most importantly, very difficult to draw a conclusion. What we are not trying to do, we're not trying to say what is good or bad, right? That's not the purpose of this. The purpose of this, especially when it comes to the social aspect of it, let's govern the data, govern this information in a very granular form, form an opinion across the sector, across all the managers in CLO, if you like, create a benchmark. What is it looking like today? And then have ability to make a relative comparison and perhaps even draw on some conclusions on the areas that are really not that simple to come up with true sustainable way of moving it forward. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Before we move on to some other projects that the committee is working on, I wonder if you could just speak to the practical implementation of the questionnaire. So first of all, in terms of next steps, I know we've discussed having a sort of broadening our engagement potentially in the first quarter or first half of next year uh, with a with a workshop to discuss with managers the questionnaire. Uh, and also there would be some implementation in terms of when it would come into the process of, of the you know the offering of a CLO. So maybe if you could speak to that a bit to give our listeners some some granularity on that, that would be great. So last week, uh, just after the publication of the questionnaire, we've been in touch with all the syndication uh, and all the banks. Um, the feedback was really good. I think you know the banks themselves are really happy to have like a one source of uh, data. Uh, makes their work more efficient uh, and obviously for the broader market more transparent. I think Dennis and I obviously and the rest of the uh, CLO investor committee needs to work on communication and market acceptance. I think the next uh, let's say month and beginning you know month as December will be probably quieter but uh, November and Q1 2023 would be uh, it's going to be critical to make it to make it happen. Very practically, it's, it might be a bit difficult to uh, ask the CLO managers who have like their deals almost, you know, being ready to, to go live today. But the ones that are in a warehouse spaces or very close, say close like one month to, to pricing, I think we start, we need to start to launch uh, those questionnaires and 
uh, Dennis and I will be very happy and keen on discussing with CLM managers uh, of the, the benefit of that. Uh, but yeah, the, the next coming weeks will be important to create momentum and market acceptance. Great. Thanks for that, Emmerich. Greenwashing is a key focus for market participants across the and asset classes and is something that Alpha has done a lot of work on across our committees. But I wonder if maybe you could touch on some other projects the committee is working on to tackle this risk in the CLO market. If I was to maybe just share some thoughts from my side, right? We, we Greenwashing is a big subject out there because obviously it, it's coming from a good place, right? We all recognizing there are issues sustainability-wise, whether it's a social or climate, we need to progress it forward and do it in the best way. Um, we, it, but we're risking as well, right? We're living in a very fragmented society. Everything is either good or bad, either it is black or white, right? Uh, we, I tend to take a little bit, a little bit less binary view when it comes to greenwashing. And I'll explain what I mean by this, right? I'll give you an example. We are at the different stages of development of sustainability, right? There are certain items which I call were low-hanging fruits. They were easy to pick. Picking them allowed us to take that on board, have it implemented, put it on the side and move on, or move on to the items that are harder to pick. It's not about whether those items that we already picked are good or bad. They play the part. It's about scalability. Let me give an example, just what actually was implemented in CLOs for a number of years now. Uh, and, and it's still there, and it's a very positive development in my mind. Negative screening. Negative screening is the lowest hanging fruit out there because it's, it's relatively easy to understand. It's relatively easy to follow on the data side. And most importantly, it's very easily to sort of implement, right? We spoke, many CLOs have, in, have implemented that negative screening in the documents and so on and so forth. Now, the fact that negative screening perhaps impacting not a substantial part of European leverage loans universe. Yes, it's acknowledged. We all know there is not many companies in our universe that would fall into that negative screening, but it's an important step. We put it in place. It does not mean that we stop there. It doesn't mean that we are uh, effectively bypassing all the other important parts of sustainability, like talking about diversity, like talking about the climate change and so on and so forth. It's an important step, and that's why in moving forward, what we are risking is hanging around the point, oh, negative screening is a, is a good or bad. It's a tool in a massive toolbox. And ELFA questionnaires is really attempting to supplement that toolbox with additional tools to allow us to move it forward. And that's why I'll finish on what I started. I don't necessarily approach greenwashing as a binary binary debate, whether it's good or bad, or we should be moving away from it. Every solution has a part to play. Absolutely. Emmerich, is there anything you want to add there? Uh, I would agree. And uh, I think uh, it's something I, I did mention last week is, you know, before having iPhone 13, you need iPhone 2. And today what happened is uh, this is only the first step of a broader project. And I, I agree with Dennis that it's it's a tool, uh, part of a toolbox. Uh, I think Alpha is already, uh, is already working on other other things, uh, in particular regarding the CLO and the underlying assets themselves. 
we are seeing more and more uh, underlying bars showing numbers around scope one, scope two, uh, any uh, numbers around uh, ESG, and this is a real positive. Uh, but we need to uh, push for more. Uh, on a CLO level, I think it is important that us CLO investors provide the power or the, you know, the, yeah, the, the, the power to engage with uh, private equity and sponsors who could be sometimes reluctant to disclose some of the data. Um, I, again, I, I would echo Dennis, things are not Mankean, it's not black or white, but uh, it's a collective effort trying to push for something, uh, something better. And uh, again, I think it would be, uh, it, it, it's not a one shot. I don't think this questionnaire is here and we stop it. There's definitely a road to it. Uh, and this is only the first step. Great. Dennis, what advice would you give to someone who might want to get involved in the CLO Investor Committee, but might not know where to start? Uh, well, first thing, it's to give you a call. That's <laughs> probably the best and, and the most efficient way to start. But uh, on the more serious note, uh, let me speak from the experience of working with the other members of CLO Committee over the past 18 or so months. Um, I really identified two types of investors or two, two types of participating members. There is a group of individuals who are who have a very well-formulated view what they would like to achieve, but are really frustrated with inability to push that forward on their own, right? This is where ELFA is providing very good platform. It's, it's allowing people to, to collaborate with each other and collectively we have a better chance of pushing it forward. So that's one group of individuals. And, and as you can imagine, uh, that was probably a group of individuals that was at the genesis of creating the questionnaire because they were very opinionated. But then you have a second group of individuals who perhaps coming to ELFA with the intention to want to get involved, but coming with a very open mind without having formulated a very clear view of where they would like to take the sustainability effort. And I would actually say that group of participation is very, very important because it, it, it reigns in all those opinionated, ingrained individuals in their thought process, right? And offers that diversity of thought. So what my suggestions would be, once again, to give you a call, and make sure they can get involved. But secondly, is to reassess and look at what they're doing on a daily basis and just understand that collectively, it has a by far better chance of succeeding and definitely should bring their thoughts and views to this committee. Absolutely. And we welcome involvement uh, from across the market. So do get in touch. Feel free to give me a call or, or send an email. Looking back, and we are now actually shifting into slightly more personal questions for the two of you. What is one piece of advice you would give the younger you when starting out in your careers and focusing specifically on health and mental health in particular, as it is Movember? So, Sabrina, I think when, uh, when, when I first heard the question, I was about to say open-minded, curious, all this kind of thing that, well, seems like it's very cliche and classic. So I, I'm gonna try to be a bit more original. Uh, I guess the first one would be understand rather than learn. 
The second is understanding the correlation of things, uh, you know, take like a step back on things and understand how things are working together. Uh, uh, the, the, there is a lot of correlation in finance uh, and I think it's critical to understand uh, all of that. And finally, I think the younger me would like to hear mistakes are fine as long as you understand. Uh, I think, you know, people that do mistakes uh, are people that are trying. Yeah. Uh, and I think sometimes in the society, people can be very conformism and not thinking out of the box, avoiding therefore mistakes. So mistake is fine. That's great. Dennis, how about you? Uh, when I read that question, similar to what you just heard from Emery, a smile on my face and I went through the list and said, no, I can't say that on air. <laughs> so, so boiling it down to something that you can actually publish. Um, I would probably focus on the practical side, what Emery just described. There are lots of correlations in the market. But what I, if I had an opportunity to go back in time and tell myself what to do, I would probably ask myself to focus on one particular skill and its ability to code, its ability to manipulate vast amounts of information. And I am not just saying this because it's um, the edge of technology and we're all into FinTech environment. I'll give you some, uh, some, some, some numbers to back my comments up. So we published questionnaires of two parts, right? Um, I actually took a liberty to, to count the number of questions we have in there. Uh, so one part of the questionnaire is about 55 questions. The other part of questionnaire is about 44 questions. Don't be scared. Many of them are tick box questions, yes or no. So it won't take your time. But the point I'm trying to make, there are over 100 data points for us as investors to look at and, 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 and make decisions on. Now, you multiply that by 62 managers across European universe, you multiply that over 480 individual deals. What I'm trying to bring you, to bring the point across, we're talking about data sets where we are no longer able to comprehend it in our minds. Right. We are talking about data sets where we're no longer able to use standard, very useful tools like Excel. This is where my comment comes uh, about coding. It's from the painful practicality of getting back all those nicely filled in questionnaires of 62 managers across Europe and attempting to make sense of it on right. our side. That's, that's probably the biggest thing. I don't necessarily say that I regret that I didn't do. If I just finish on a final point, right? The resources are very different. Right. Uh, 10, 15 years ago, I would have had to go to the library or look up a book that didn't exist. Mm. Now, uh, all the resources about improving one's skills are at the fingertips. Uh, that's really what I, I would recommend to a younger me to do. Well, I always say to my guests that I will never ask you a question that I'm not willing to answer myself. So what I would say to the younger finance lawyer in me who ended up running a trade association is that no career runs in a straight line. You will never think that your point B is where you were going to end up when you are standing at point A and having an open mind and following your joy is always the best way to, to end up in the best place. So that, that would be my answer to the question. 
And one final question for the two of you, and this is to give some some uh, maybe light reading to our listeners to take away. Can you recommend a book to our audience and explain why you enjoyed it? So on my side, it's going to be very light reading because it's a really small book, but it's a book that I try to read at least uh, once uh, every two years. It's called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. So it's basically about the Totec wisdom, um, which was a <clears throat> civilization in Mexico ages ago, where they really were trying to help self-confidence and self-development. So basically the four agreements are one, uh, be impeccable with your words, two, don't take things personally, three, don't make assumptions, and four, always do your best. And I think that really echoes uh, the advices that I gave to younger me uh, earlier. Oh, that's a fantastic one. I will definitely look that up. Thank you. I I was on this question. I'll be honest with you. I was caught out because uh, I was like, <laughs> oh, hold on. What what shall I recommend people? And instead of recommending, let me come clean and tell you what is the book on my desk actually. <laughs> uh, and I brought two, and and I'll tell you the reasons why it is. So I'm reading a book called Why Things Are the Way They Are. And when I picked that book, I, I, it actually came by chance because uh, as one happens to browse before going to sleep, uh, I was interested to understand about the sources of energy and where it's coming from. Not a very light reading because obviously the daily job involves understanding what the carbon footprints are. And it led me on a very, very peculiar path to picking up this book. When I read it first, the title was rather simple. I was like, oh, okay, I'll give it a go. What I didn't appreciate it was written by a, a, a well-qualified physics scientist and actually trying to explain in a very simple terms why things are the way they are, why the metal is bending in the glass season, why the light is going through the glass but, it doesn't, but isn't going. So what I realized myself, I actually got myself, and, and having the tendency to finish something that I started, I've been reading it for quite some time. It's a technical read. But if I was to bring the moral of that story here it's back to what emeric just said right it's finding the connectivities in life right it, this book doesn't answer pretty much anything to what i do on a daily basis at work but it provides a knowledge base and a tank base of knowledge that can be used and can be applied to something else plus allows you to take your mind away from the daily routine of delivering the client memos and the performance on the portfolios and everything that goes with it uh, so that's one side. But then the, the, the second book, and if I do get a chance, because I want to I want to keep it closer to the to the sustainability theme of this podcast. Sure. Uh, bananas is in the title of the book. <laughs> and, and the book is How Bad Are Bananas? And the subtitle of it is The Carbon Footprint of Everything. Wow. Uh, I was recommended. The book is by Mike Berners Lee, and no doubt I can post the details if we can uh, sure we'll put them in the podcast notes. i was i was giving this book as a gift um on my birthday last year and without going into the details of it it basically it's it's a combination of a to z of in minute details what carbon footprint everything carries for example i was very excited to find out what is the carbon footprint of this zoom phone call or, or wow. this podcast and it is in that book I'm not going to tell you what it is, but if you are willing to find out what it is, it is the book to have. And um, maybe thinking on, on a little bit more serious note, 
I did like this book because it's very easy to get bogged down and ingrained in our daily uh, work of finding the carbon footprint of leverage loan CLOs investments and so on and so forth. I think what is what I found is missing is bringing it to the reality, right? There are 48 billion tons of CO2 per year. Where does it actually come from? And that is the other book that is on my desk today. Well, those are all fantastic recommendations. From my side, I think it's kind of a combination of, of all of them. Mine would be The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, which was an incredible eye-opener for me as a busy person, mother, friend, partner, often very easy to get caught up in the just nonstop onslaught of day-to-day -day life and to forget to just appreciate where you are in the moment, not to get too caught up in your thoughts and what needs to happen in the future and maybe what's happened in the past and whether you liked it or you didn't like it. And I found it to be an incredibly helpful guide. And I do, as you, Emmerich, uh, try to go back to it from time to time because it's very easy to get caught up in all of that um, because we all have so much to do. And with that in mind, why don't we let our listeners get on with their power of now? <laughs> I just wanna thank both of you, Dennis and Emmerich, for being so generous with your time and for sharing all of this information with us. Um, I'm sure you will agree with me that we would be happy for anyone listening to get in touch with follow-up questions. Uh, and we look forward to engaging with everyone on our projects for this committee and our other committees in the future. So with that, I will say thanks again to Emmerich and Dennis. Thank you so much, Sabrina. And yeah, uh, any questions and or feedback uh, is always welcome. Thank you. Great. Everyone enjoy your day. We'll see you on the next installment of All Ears with Alpha. Bye.